Well, good morning, church. Ever find yourself in a, in a situation where you didn't know what to do? Had a big decision to make. Maybe you were facing a major crisis in life. Maybe you had a, a wayward child. Maybe you did something stupid. You couldn't figure out how to get yourself out of the mess. You know, you think about it, one of the biggest decisions that young people make is choosing a vocation. I mean, think about that. We ask a, a 19 or 20-year-old to make a decision that will affect the next 40 years of their life. How they'll support their, themselves, how they'll support a family. It's a big decision. I remember wrestling with that decision myself a few years ago when I was in college. And being a new Christian, I decided that it might be good for me to include God in that. And so I began to, to pray about it. But I got an answer, but I didn't like the answer. So I, uh, I quit college, uh, moved away uh, for a while, but discovered you can't move away from God. He kind of follows you wherever you go. In the next six months, I, I really wrestled with that. I wrestled with God. I I tried to figure out a career, a vocation, anything other than what God was telling me to do. And I must tell you, it was excruciating. But it's always excruciating, ignoring God or trying to say no to Him. In our scripture today, King Ahaziah has become king of Israel after his father Ahab had passed. You may remember, may remember Ahab. We've been talking about him the last couple of weeks. And, and Ahab, or Ahaziah is facing a major health crisis. He has fallen through a lattice in his palace and was badly injured. In fact, he is wondering whether or not he is going to recover from this fall. Or perhaps he might be ending the end of his life. And so he's in the midst of a major life crisis, and he does not know what to do. But then he makes a life-altering mistake. And rather than consulting God about his health, he, he sends a messenger to consult Beelzebub, the, the god of Ekron. Now, Ekron was a, a city of the Philistines, a, a neighboring country along the seacoast that was often at war with Israel. The name Beelzebub literally means Lord of the Flies. And much later in the New Testament, the Greek version of this word was Beelzebub and became another name for the devil. In fact, you may remember when Jesus was casting out demons, the Pharisees accused him of doing it by the power of the devil, by the power of Beelzebub. So God sends Elijah to confront the king about this. Now, I, I'm pretty sure I would not be up to the challenge, but Elijah is quite willing to speak truth to power. Verse 3. Is it because there's no God in Israel that you are going to consult Beelzebub, the god of Ekron? Therefore, this is what the Lord says. You will not leave the bed you are lying on. You will certainly die. Now, I'm sure this news was quite unnerving. But I wonder why we're always so eager to seek out advice from 
anything or anyone but the one who can truly uh, help us. I wonder sometimes if it's not my pride that causes me to do that. Uh, the great French philosopher and mathematician Blaise Pascal said, our principal malady is our pride, which cuts us off from God. Where do you go? To whom or to what do you go when you have a major decision to make? Maybe you check out advice columns or you read pundits, maybe family or friends. Now, these are not bad things, but what might happen if we began with God? Our director of adult ministries, Amy Tomlinson, tells the story of, of being in her late 20s. And all of her friends were, were getting married and, and, and having babies, and she was beginning to wonder about her future. Nothing was, was happening the way that she thought it would happen. And maybe you've experienced something like that. Your, your life, your future has just not gone the way that you had planned it out. And so she began to seek answers through through psychics, or through numerologists, or using tarot cards. And, and the psychic told her that she would marry a man in a uniform. And it so happened that her husband, Jeff, was a, an airline pilot, so at least that part came true. But why was it so hard? It wasn't that it was so hard that, Amy, that to believe God cared about her. But she just had a hard time trusting God for her future, that God would be able to meet her needs. And besides that, Amy felt like she needed to know now. She felt like time was running out. And you know what? God doesn't always do things on, on our timetable, does he? And then later on, as she began to grow in her faith and began to read the, the Bible, she began to realize that that truth is, is found in God's Word, not, not in psychics. She needed to ask forgiveness from God for trusting in these things which became idols for her. Last year, the wreckage of the USS Indianapolis was found in the bottom of the Pacific Ocean. You may remember reading about that. On July 30th, 1945, it had been sunk by a, a Japanese submarine and uh, it sank in just minutes. And because it sank so quickly... I was not able to radio for help. And so for four days, 800 men floated helplessly in the Pacific Ocean. And out of the original crew of, of 1,200, only 317 survived. Many of them were eaten by sharks in the area. And some of the men became so dehydrated that they began to drink the salt water. And the officers shouted at them to, to stop, to not do that, but it would not help because, in fact, it would, it would actually speed up their death. But it didn't stop them. They were so thirsty, they were willing to drink anything, even if it killed them. And sometimes we do that. Sometimes we will drink from anything if we think it may help us. But what we learn today in our scripture is that seeking counsel from a source that's not God may not only be misleading, but it can also be dangerous. You see, here's the truth. That God wants us to ask. That God wants to guide us. 
That God has a plan for our life. God didn't just save us and say, now go out and and try the best that you can. God wants to to help us. And the Bible tells us that God has a a plan for each one of our lives. And and success is to find out what God's plan for you is and and to submit to it. You, You ask about his plan, you listen, you be open to it, and then you obey. You see, there is a will of God for you. God has a plan for your life. And because of that, uh, we are able to make a deduction. That is, that we should be able to find out what that plan is. Now, it's true that the Word of God is our rule of faith. It's the thing that we test everything by. If you feel like God is leading you in a certain direction, uh, it, it needs to square up with Scripture. But the Bible doesn't always give you all the details. For example, the Apostle Paul told Timothy, he said, do the work of an evangelist. Okay, but how do you do that? The Bible is is silent about the details. I'm still trying to learn how we do that today. In fact, we're trying something new in our church. Uh, We're bringing Jonathan Coleman on our staff to, to help us reach new people through what we are calling fresh expressions. But guess what? There's nothing in the Bible about fresh expressions. I've looked for it. It's not there. In the same way, uh, the, the Bible uh, doesn't tell us who we're going to marry. Now, it gives some very practical instructions on how to do that, but, but there's no name. You know, when I was interested in my wife, Melinda, you know, I went to the Bible, I looked, Melinda's not in there. And yet it's possible to pray. God, I'm starting to have feelings towards this other person. What's, what's your will for my life? What's your plan? King David often inquired of the Lord. In fact, all throughout his story in the Old Testament, you find that whenever David was at his best, whenever he was at his best, he was inquiring of the Lord. He would come to a, a critical juncture or he would, he would come to a, a crisis and he would inquire of the Lord. He would ask God, what's the next thing? What do you want me to do? This is what made him so different from all the kings that would follow him. In fact, we have a great story in, in 1 Samuel 23. When David was told, look, the Philistines are fighting against Kilah and are looting the threshing floors, David inquired of the Lord saying, shall I go? Shall I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord answered him, go and attack the Philistines and save Kilah. Now his men were not so sure. They were just a small group of of ragtag soldiers. How in the world were they going to face an entire army? But David was sure, and they went, and David saved the day. And we can say the reverse was true for David, that whenever he didn't ask God first, that he messed up, and sometimes he messed up big time. You see, here's the truth. We have the Holy Spirit living in each and every one of us, and he will guide us. Jesus says in John chapter 16, he says, When he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. And he will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears from the Father, and he will tell you what is yet to come. And so the Bible teaches us that that searching for God's plan was a common occurrence, and, and not just in the Old Testament. Last month I, I talked about Paul and one of his missionary journeys 
that he wanted to go and, and preach the gospel in the region we now call Turkey. And as he was heading that way with his, with his, with his ministry team, the, the Bible says, but the Spirit of Jesus forbid him to go into Asia. Now you look at that and you scratch your head and go, what? Why would God not allow him to go preach the good news to people who needed to hear it? It wasn't like he was trying to sell illegal drugs. He was, he was trying to share Jesus with others. But it was simply that that was not a part of God's plan for Paul. A little bit later, Paul is traveling west, and he, he tries to go into a, a region called Bithynia. And again, the Bible says, and the Spirit of Jesus forbid him to do it. Isn't that interesting? Paul had a missionary team. Paul had his strategic plan. He knew exactly what he wanted to do next. But, but God somehow, and the Bible doesn't say exactly how, but, but God let him know this and denied him access to the areas that he wanted to go. God said no. And sometimes this can happen in our lives. It can be a real need. It can be a real problem in our community. You could be itching to do something, and yet God can say to us, you know, I've got somebody else who's going to do that. I've got a different plan for your life. And bed, uh, Paul went to bed that night, and he had a dream. He had a vision of a man from Macedonia saying, come on over and help us. And Luke writes in, in Acts 16, we took it as from the Lord that this is what God wanted us to do. If we're listening, God will help us. See, we need to listen to God's instructions. We need to listen to what he wants to say to us. Sometimes we're tempted to allow our circumstances to distract us from listening. Will God be able to do what God says he'll do? Will God actually fulfill the promises that he says he'll fulfill? And sometimes we're tempted to look at our circumstances and then allow them to dictate whether or not we'll listen to God. And when we do that, we're heading the wrong way. Will we listen to God in the midst of our circumstances? Will we listen to God in spite of our circumstances, even if it doesn't make sense to us? There's a great story in, in Acts chapter 9 about a disciple whose name is Ananias. And he gets a surprise of his life. One day he's, he's listening to God and he's, he's having his, his prayer time and all of a sudden God speaks to him. And he's living in Damascus and, and, and God says to him, Ananias, yes, Lord, I want you to get up and, and go to Straight Street and I want you to locate a guy named Saul and I want you to pray for him. Oh, no, God, I don't think so. Everybody knows about Saul. Everybody knows that he's here in Damascus to, to arrest Christians and, and to put them in jail. God, that just doesn't make any sense. And God says to him, he used to kill Christians, but I have great plans for him now. Go, get up, and go pray for him. Isn't that interesting that Ananias gets his name in the Bible because he was willing to listen to God willing to find out God's will and do it, even if reluctantly. And folks, it must have seemed crazy to Ananias. But what if he had not been, been willing? What if he had refused? What would have happened to Paul? How would history have been different if not for this little known but listening believer in Christ? You see, there's all kinds of voices that that we could listen to in this world if we wanted to. 
But only one voice really matters. You see, God still speaks today. God speaks to us through the testimony of Scripture. God speaks to us through the witness of the Holy Spirit. God speaks to us through the body of Christ, through men and woman, women whom he brings into our lives to, to help us and to instruct us and to counsel us. God even speaks to us in, in strange places and, and at peculiar times. One of my favorite stories is, is found in Numbers 22 when, when God spoke to a man named Balak through his donkey. And I think to myself, if God can use an ass to speak, surely God can use anyone. Did I just say a swear word in church? No. So the question is not if God still speaks. The question is really, will we listen? Just last week I had the opportunity to, to listen to God. I was talking to somebody, and, and right before I got ready to say something, the Spirit of God said to me, don't say that. I thought I knew better. So I went ahead and said what was on my mind. That's a dangerous thing for me to do. And no sooner had I, those words left my mouth than I felt regret. And I had to end up apologizing. Now what do you think would happen to my ability to listen to God if time after time I refused to listen? What would happen? Wouldn't it begin to diminish? In fact, my faith life could gradually grow cold if I persisted in not listening to God. And that's a dangerous place to be in. You see, King Ahaziah is in no mood to listen to God. And so God sends Elijah to, to try to help him. God does that in our lives too. Sometimes God puts things or, or people in our way to get our attention. And Elijah comes and he speaks, he speaks with breathtaking candor to the messengers of the king. Tell the king that he will certainly die. And when the messengers come back without consulting Beelzebub, the king questions them, why have you come back? Why have you come back so quickly? Well, a man came to meet us, they replied. And he said to us, go back to the king who sent you and tell him, this is what the Lord says. Is it because there is no God in Israel that you are sending messengers to consult Beelzebub, the God of Ekron? Therefore you will not leave the bed you are lying on. You will certainly die. Verse 7. The king asked them, what kind of man was it who came to meet you and told you this? And they replied, well, he had a garment of hair and a, a leather belt around his waist. And the king said, ah, that was Elijah, the Tishbite. You see, Ahaziah doesn't see Elijah as being heaven sent from God, does he? He sees him as an obstacle that has to be removed. And so he sends 50 soldiers to arrest him and, and to bring him back to the palace. So the soldiers go out and the captain of the soldiers finds Elijah camped on top of a hill and he orders him to come down. But instead, fire comes down and 50 soldiers die. So the king sends a, another company of, of 50 soldiers and the same results. 
So then another, a third company of soldiers are sent, and, and the captain of, of the guard sees the ground littered with, with the remains of a hundred soldiers, and he changes his attitude. Instead of ordering Elijah to come down, he falls to his knees in humility, and he asks for mercy. And God sees something different in this captain and lets Elijah know that it is safe to return back to the palace with him. You see, folks, once we take that posture of humility and ask for mercy, it is given to us. In fact, I would say that the only way to receive guidance uh, from God is from a place of humility and need. Now, sometimes we try to, to bargain with God. Sometimes we try to get our own way, and, and some, sometimes God allows us to do that. For example, in, in Genesis 18, a, Abraham uh, barters with God uh, over the issue of Sodom. But the truth is, we really have no bargaining chips to barter with God. This captain, this soldier, stands in contrast to the king. You see, ancient Middle Eastern kings understood their position as being absolute, absolute power, and as something to be used for their own advantage. In fact, even today around the world, rulers use their prerogatives of, of office for their own advantage. And throughout the history of the world, this has been true. The ones who come to serve, unfortunately, are rare. But once we finally listen, then we need to obey. And Elijah is taken to the king, and once again he shares his somber message of, of impending doom, but Ahaziah is in no mood to listen, and he is certainly not going to obey. And the results are tragic. Contrast that with, with Jesus. When the Pharisees were attacking him and criticizing him unjustly, he said, Why do you criticize the things that I do? I only do what the Father tells me to do. In other words, I'm not making these things up. I am under orders. I have come to do the Father's will. Jesus couldn't raise anybody from the dead that he felt. He couldn't stay in any city as long as he wanted. All he could do was to go as the Father guided him to go. When Jesus was criticized about his preaching, he told his critics, don't, don't condemn me for what I say. I'm only telling you what the Father has instructed me to say. Jesus himself was under instructions, always inquiring what God wanted him to do. In Mark's Gospel, chapter 14, we find Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. He is facing the biggest trial, the biggest crisis of his life. And all the forces of hell are arrayed against him. He knows what tomorrow will bring, and the shadow of the cross looms over him. And so he does what he always did. He did what was his custom, his practice, his habit. He, he prays. And he takes his three closest friends, Peter and James and, and John, and they go up to the Mount of Olives. And, and while, he, while they are taking a nap, he gets on his knees and he begins to pray. He struggles to get a grip on the will of God. See, he wants out of this. He wants out of this trap in the worst way, but not if it's God's will. And if it is God's will, if there's no way out, if it has to be, then he's willing to go through with it.
And so he's listening. He's asking for guidance. He's asking for direction. And he gets it. And he goes forth. He faces the cross confident that he is in the will of God. Folks, we can do anything. We can face any obstacle in life if we go forward knowing that we're in the will of God. John writes in his first epistle these words, and this is the confidence which we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. John wants us to know that as we seek God's will with confidence that God will give us the courage and he will answer our prayers. It's interesting that the Apostle Paul, in fact, all of the apostles had the same attitude. All they wanted to do was to obey the will of God. In fact, Paul calls himself a bondservant of the Lord Jesus. A bondservant. Do you know what servants do? They just obey orders. Ask, listen, and obey. You see, in this story today, we learn, the, we learn the emptiness of bypassing God. It took me a, a good year to say yes to God's call on my life. And I had to go down a, a few dead-end roads. I had to take a few bypasses. I had to make a, a few mistakes. But God's mercy prevailed. Maybe today you find yourself going down a dead-end road. Maybe you've looked for answers everywhere but with God. God will guide you. I mean, just think about that. Dream about that. How different life could be if we sought guidance from God first rather than waiting upon until all of our plans had fallen apart. And then we went to God. Let God be the first person you go to. God is here. God is willing to guide us. Let's bow our heads and listen for a moment. God, we want to hear your voice. We want to recognize what you're doing in our lives. We want to know your will, your plan. And so help us. Help us by the power of your Holy Spirit to follow your guidance always. Amen.